Happy Halloween from your fellow podcast hosts. I'm your host, Benjamin Scary. Well, Hadley Ho, Podcast Arenos. I'm John. Now, I know my brother Benji here likes to celebrate the All Hallows' Eve, or Halloween as the young people are calling it, but I prefer to celebrate the Lord's Eve, or which is actually every evening. So really, I'm celebrating the holiday every night, or as we call them, a blessing. Why don't you join me for grace, Benji? Uh, what's, what's your name? John. Say gotcha. John. <laughs> uh we hear uh praise our good lord David Michael Latt uh, for all things he has done for us on this oh, on this cold, cold day. Blessings upon his soul. He is our Lord and Savior, David Michael Latt. Amen. And God praise to Lay Scott, that freedom fighter who's always out there to tell the truth. And of course, like everyone else, Halloween, uh, we are in fact taking a break from David Michael Latt for a little bit because uh, we watched a film that has almost nothing to do with the asylum besides the fact that they, uh, what they just published it, correct? They just distributed. That's distributed. That's it. Yes, but it's from it's an English-speaking uh, film from Argentina, filmed entirely in Buenos Aires, and uh, it's certainly different. <laughs> yes, it is. It's actually kind of a decent movie yeah. we say it's good no it's definitely it's interesting and honestly I, any film we're i don't even call it interesting on. i it's it's still a very generic horror movie yeah. it's only interesting by virtue of its locale <laughs> well i think is... it's only interesting because it's so different from all the asylum films we've watched recently I've, I've had I'm this just... thing recently where any film i've been watching i it's suddenly they all they're all really good <laughs> Because I've, I've, like, seen so many asylum films in the past month or so, currently. Mm-hmm. Even by that metric, I still can't, yeah, look at this as a good movie. Yeah, same um, And in, in a way, it's, this is basically, like, the, Ar- this is the Argentinian version of an asylum film. Because there are a couple <laughs> of elements to it that felt sort of asylum Yeah. Similar um, to uh, King of the Ants, which I recently discovered yes. is actually an asylum project. So I'm going to retract my statement from last episode because uh, Dave Michael Act did, in fact, work on that one. So apologies to Michael. I call him Dave. Yeah, Lat. <laughs> da- David Latte Michael. But uh, I believe I interrupted you there. Nope. Okay. <laughs> Uh, so let's get into this film then. Uh, this film begins with a uh, hooded man who seems to be in some sort of uh, l- a underpopulated subway station. Subway station. It's no just one's late at, It's just late at night is all. Mm. And he hops a subway ticket booth. Right off the bat, you notice the main uh, gimmick of this movie, which is an aggressive green tint. Hmm. Or maybe that's just what Buenos Aires looks like. I don't know. I've never been. Yeah. <laughs> everything is just, a, has, just in a deep green hue fog. Everything, everything just, yes, everything just, it, yeah, just an aggressive green fog that plagues the city. It's very sort of Soviet bloc-esque in some ways. In terms uh, of architecture. Every, you mean every, every time the football team wins, man, they just throw out the, the, the team colors and boy, it just gets everywhere. Mm, it could also be like near maybe St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> it's possible. I don't think they have much Irish in Argentina. 
<laughs> it's a drinking holiday. You don't need Irish. Um, so after we see this man, uh, you know, break the law by jumping over the subway ticket, not, not even not even buying one, he just sort of jumps over it. Uh, we then cut to our main character, whose name is Martin. He's in a bath, and for some reason, his phone is like right next to his bath. Like yeah. literally on like the uh, it's on rim. the rim of the bathtub. It's just sitting there, and he's like almost falling asleep in the bath. And suddenly the phone uh, falls over and turns on, and uh, he starts hearing two people talk: a uh, woman who's presumably a prostitute, and like a uh, presumably also a person who's trying to buy her service. Uh, f- yeah, like phone sex is going on. Come on over to my place. More so than phone sex, because it implies that they are going to... Well, yeah, they're actually arranging something, you're right. Uh, And then, so, he gets freaked out by this, and sort of, I don't know, shuts off the phone. The first thing you should know about uh, Martin, was his name? Yes. Martin, a very Argentinian name, obviously. Mm. Um, Martin, um, he's a spaz. Yeah, he's had some rough times recently. He, 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 might a, have, he might have always been a spaz, but currently he's extremely so. Hard to say. Hard to say, but um, there's a lot of overacting in this movie. Yeah. It's kind of, it, it's, uh, it's fun. <laughs> it feels very uh, telenovela-y to mm. me. But uh, so after this happens, uh, we then cut to a man and woman who are named Laura and Aaron, respectively. And they're both they're trying like to get his... in this apartment. They're like his uh, co-workers, I think? Something like that, presumably. I believe yeah. they're co-workers. Yes. Slash friends, well, for- sort of. Well, former co-workers, because Martin's been fired, right? Yes. Okay. Um, they're, what, uh, were the they're... Names, what were the names again? Uh, Laura, Laura and Aaron. Laura and Aaron. Martin, Laura, and Aaron. These extremely Spanish names. Very, they're very Argentina names, you know, like every other character in the story. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, even the German guy. Aaron's not even like a good name for that character. Like if like no, it 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 speaks to um. I mean, he looks a bit like a Michael. I'm like you know. Yeah, a Michael, a Michael, or um, um, maybe actually, a yeah, David. Mi- no, Michael's maybe a lat. Good. Maybe a lat. Um, <laughs> I, Michael's good. I like Michael. He does. He does look like a Mike. Um. He, um, it, it, this movie has the feel of like a, a a set of a group of foreigners who were enthusiastic about Hollywood slashers yeah. and want to make their own, like to distribute it in Hollywood, like to an American audience. Um, but they don't. But there are things like this that are off. Like the names feel off. It's like if this was made in America, you'd be giving these people different names because Aaron's not 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 a good fit for this character. This film is definitely inspired also by Love Hollywood sort of slasher films as well. Oh my god! Especially yes. the whole ending portion of this film. But uh, so Laura and Aaron are trying to get in contact with Martin, but they're sort of claiming that he's really hard to get in contact with. So it's like he's become some of a recluse recluse yeah um either so, one works yeah uh, we then cut to martin who's now driving a car and he sees a preacher or a crazy dude basically but he's i think like he's just a homeless i think it's just a homeless guy just yelling at someone hmm. uh but while he's looking at this he suddenly starts getting visions of uh sex and uh he starts aggr- he starts like crushing his glasses 
Um, though they are fixed in the next scene, so... I mean, uh, I can relate to this. Every time I walk through downtown LA and I see a crazy homeless guy screaming at someone, I like you know. Start imagining shatters. sex. I start I start imagining sex and and wind up like you know cracking my uh, iPhone. Um, this happens. Be- yeah. <laughs> uh, the two people who he's imagining having sex are presumably his wife and her personal trainer Alex, who she left him for. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, he's sort of having a rough time with that as well as as well as losing losing his job. And for some reason, everyone keeps saying, "Oh, she left with the gym teacher," and he keeps correcting personal trainer. Yeah, it's like this common motif in this whole. Film. It's this common motif, but it makes no sense to me. It like, make it a lot no, of sense. No, it has no payoff. <laughs> it's like this is is this some like Argentinian thing that I'm supposed to like? Not that I'm supposed to, but that like means something because like. To me, it it's just it just seems like a weird thing to hang your hat on. Well, as you see later in this film, it kind of becomes a little bit of a breaking point as all these other things tend. To, all these motifs sort of sort of all sort of build up until the climax of this film, which I mean, we're gonna except for except for this one. The, the, this one the, sort this... of does a little bit, but definitely not a particularly amazing payoff. Does it? I don't a little know. Bit. Like a little bit. <laughs> I guess I'll mention it when we get there. All right. But all right, so then we see Martin uh, in a hoodie now wandering the streets, and he uh, comes across a newspaper stand, and reads about a hooker who was killed, uh, and the hooker had the same name and date of birth as the hooker who was having the phone call earlier, uh, which then he starts freaking out after this sort of realization that he was this, sort of heard this news- about this. this newspaper with large English font. Yeah, you know, Argentina. It's kind of awkwardly positioned. Well, I'm sure they do sell English newspapers in Argentina. I'm sure you can get your hands on them. Although I don't know if they're at, available at every newsstand. But um, but just the position of the headline just looks so weirdly awkward. Also, I have a hard time believing that like the, the murder of a, of a prostitute would make like front page news anywhere. Like, it, it seems like something that's, like... It's a small town. It's Buenos Aires. I don't know. <laughs> it's Buenos Aires. It's a small it's town. The, it's a capital city. They have favelas there. It's a Murder small town. John, like that's a pretty John, common that's thing. A, it's a population of, like, 500, all right? 500 million. Um, not that much, <laughs> but but um, not nearly that much, obviously. Maybe. Um, no, it's in the millions, for sure. It's got to be in the millions, mm. for oh, sure. Yeah, I'm But, sure. um... It, it um, I don't know. It it, it it for some reason like the the attention given to it on, on the newspaper just seems sort of like odd to me. Mm. Well, either way, it's definitely done the job of him buying the newspaper in the first place. So you know, doesn't he just drop it on the ground? Maybe. <laughs> well, I guess he keeps it though, doesn't he? And cuts it out. Oh, that's right. We do see a cutout of it later. But uh, so later he's in eating with uh, Aaron and Laura. Um. And he's trying to explain them about this sort of series of events of hearing the phone call and then reading the newspaper about it. And he's sort of, he's freaking out about this, but Laura and Aaron are basically like, eh, you, I don't really believe you. I think it's because you lost your job and your wife. Or, oh, Aaron's lines in this scene, his dialogue. He's a it, huge scumbag. Yeah. Well, I mean, yes, he's got the slick back <laughs> hair and yes, he looks like a big scum. He looks like a douchebag, but more than that, there's the dialogue it felt very like 
The Room-esque to me. It felt very oh, Tommy sure. Wiseau-ish to me. And that yeah, there's I can incredible, see that. There's one particular moment that was just so laden with exposition. It was like, you know, like, look, I know your wife left with a gym teacher and you lost your job, but uh, you're cracking John, up. John, a personal trainer? <laughs> But you're cracking up. It, it felt very much, and he says it so fast, it's so rapid that like it felt very much. It really reminded me of um, um, I, I. They make money, uh, uh, but they don't pay me, and I don't care no more. It, I don't it, care it, no more. It had that cadence to me. They tricked to me. They lied to me, and I don't care no more. But uh, but Laura sort of doesn't. Well, well not believes him. Is more worried about him than Aaron is. This is obviously, it's a very obvious sort of, I don't know, giving the character traits like right off the bat. Who are these guys, who, who are these people going to be and how they're going to react to Martin as he sort of goes through this whole film. Mm-hmm. With Laura definitely being more caring, but also more straight with him. While Aaron, I don't know, just sort of, he's, he's just sort of an more, asshole to him most of the time. Just more dismissive. Yeah. Mm. Sort of. They're both sort of different versions of each other when you think about it. Whoa. Not really. Not really. But uh, so after this happens, he then heads back home. And uh, as later, we see him knocking on a door of the uh, tenant, the cleaner, the person who runs oh, the apartment. Oh, the, su- the super. Yeah, the super. Right, right. Um, and he needs Leo to turn the lights on back in his apartment because they've seen they've the, gone out. The power's gone out. Which uh, apparently is a frequent occurrence in this building. Hmm. Leo's like, well, I don't want to do this. Um, it's it's apparently like 1 a.m. It's 1 in the morning. It's not that late. I don't know. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's really... Normally like 3 in the morning is the... Well, I mean, to be fair, maybe Argentina is on the Spanish schedule. I, I did a little study abroad in Spain, and... Um, they're, the way they schedule their day is very different from the way we do it because they got like the siestas there. They stay up way later, um, and they um, and just just everything about the way the day is pl- plotted out. Although that's the thing, though, like one a.m. is still like drinking time in in Spain. It's 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 like you're not even in bed yet by that point. So yeah, it actually now that I think about it, it makes less sense. Huh. Well then, and, and either way, I guess uh, Leo and Martin both head down into the basement to uh, check out the power. But before this happens, he then sees Leo's apartment, and he has a bunch of like suspicious objects in his apartment, such as a hooker hotline and uh, General Panera Paraphernalia. 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 Eh, you know it's. It's suspicious. What what, it is. What, what, who, who, who amongst us? Hmm. After what Martin's been through, he's like he's on edge. But um, so they both go down to the basement, uh, and they find that rats have been eating at the cables. But uh, they also find something that they can't really at first figure out what it is. But like what Martin says, it might be a dog. But Leo's like, no, nah, that's a large rat. Uh. <laughs> Uh, so then, they didn't, so then, some they see like a shadow of someone running by, and they get they start investigating it. It turns out it's just sort of a homeless man in the basement chilling. Uh, <laughs> just chilling. Yeah, just you know, like like homeless people do. I mean, I mean yeah. to be, I mean to be <laughs> fair, I mean I'm sure squatting is like you know uh, uh, a big thing. 
Yeah. It's a, it's, I mean, they're not using the basement for anything besides empty cardboard boxes, apparently. It's a lot of insulation. Hmm. Uh, so then finally discovered that the dead thing is in fact a dog. It's like a small poodle or something. Uh, this is then never brought back. Nope. Or ever discussed again. Never comes back. So forget all that happened. Now. Yep. <laughs> uh, later we see Laura and Aaron talking again. And uh, Laura wants to try and help Martin uh, because she likes her. But Aaron's like, that's an awful idea because because you you love her. She's like, I don't love you. Or rather, Aaron. <laughs> I totally messed that up one. <laughs> so let's let's try that one again. <laughs> so Laura likes Martin, but Aaron Aaron says that what? No, what is it? It's like is it Laura saying she doesn't like Martin? Aaron saying she likes Martin. Laura then Laura gets angry and says, "You're saying this because you like me, Aaron." Aaron's like, "No, I don't like you." So it's this sort of weird sort of love triangle of sorts going on here. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. All right. I got in one. First try. <laughs> uh, we then cut to Martin again, uh, who comes across this scary, balding man in a suit. Uh, he's very suspicious, and he sort of oh, freaks out this. This is this is the German guy, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I come, he, he's got, like, his last name's, like, Klein or something. Mm, Clyde? Klein. Okay. Klein! Yes, that's very German. Uh, so, back in his apartment... And, and, and mind you, he's a German in Argentina. So you know what that means. Yeah. Do I? You should. Uh, Look it up. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, the phone turns on again back in his apartment. And it's the same killer. Uh, so he, he freaks out again. Um, but this time, Martin wants to do something about it. So he runs down trying to get Aaron uh, to help out. Aaron's actually living in the same apartment complex as him. Right. Like, literally downstairs. Which took me a while to figure out. I, yeah. I, was, I, I was confused by that. Because every time they met, it didn't feel like they were in the apartment building. No. They don't seem to hang out much. No. Uh, Aaron does, is not into that. So he does himself. So he he then chases. He sir he runs out of the apartment looking for someone doing something suspicious and sees Leo. Uh, so he chases down Leo, and Leo freaks out. And it's like I'm just trying to buy some smokes. Can a man buy some smokes this time? Uh, Martin sort of then proceeds to then ask him about all the single men in the building, and this is when he mentions the uh, German man Klein. Some artist guy living in three H. Is mm. what Leo says. Uh, and then, speak of the devil, he then sees the scary man. Now we know his name is Klein. Starts following him extremely poorly. Like, literally right... Like, he's literally, like, walking right behind him. And he's, like, hunched over and, like, walking <laughs> on his tiptoes. Totally not suspicious. Uh, but while he's doing that, he then gets hit... Proceeds to get hit by a car. He walks out an inter... Yeah, he walks at the intersection, and just before the car hits him, he goes, Ah! <laughs> Uh, then he or wakes no, up on the, more, he wakes no, up on sorry. the street. It's more, it's more of a wah. Yeah, he wakes up on the street and uh, he's like extremely dazed. There's blood coming from his forehead. 
Presumably, the people in the car just sort of picked him up and moved him out of the way. I got back in the car. Or they just or they just hit him and then just backed up the car and drove around him. Hmm. How is and that is that easy to do? Light. And he's just I don't know, I don't know how wide the street is. Um and he's just been lying in the street untouched for several hours now, because now it's daylight. Yeah, he heads back to his apartment to clean up, but then proceeds to go to the hooker's apartment, which he got from the phone. Uh, and while he explores the apartment building and sees uh, a man in a hood in the apartment building, so he starts like give, chasing him around. Uh, before he does that, he screams and freaks out though, because he's Martin. The guy in the hood chases Martin. No, no. He he. What happens is he sees the man in the hood. He freaks out, and then he then proceeds to try and chase him down. Ah. Uh, but then he comes across like a bedroom and there seems to be a woman inside there who seems to be motionless. Uh, we just see her hands. He's, hands he's, he's staring dream. through one of those like bubble windows you see like in a bathroom where like yeah. you can kind of see through it, but everything's distorted. But there's a hand sort of lying motionless uh, mm-hmm. from the, the blanket. Mm-hmm. And suddenly a doggo jumps out and starts chasing him out. And we see a nice little like cut to then the door, which is open, saying "Beware of dog." Yep. Which is like beautiful, beautiful little sort of shot there. What does it mean? What does it mean? <laughs> I don't know. Beware of what dog? Uh, Martin somehow escaped all of this and is now back at the uh, apartment complex. We don't really see what happened after the little dog scene, other than he's just sort of he's fine. He just goes back home. That's all. So then he decides to go confront uh, Klein, uh, who has uh, at underneath his door a go-away mat. Mm-hmm. So you sort of know what kind of character and what you're going to get from here. I respect it. And then he axes him through the door if he's the one who's killing all the hookers. Like, he just yells it into the room. No, he doesn't yell it. Does he, he not? Just kind of, no, he just kind of mutters it, and... It's really weird. It's like he just sort of mutters it at the door, and it's hard to tell whether he's actually saying it or if it's an internal monologue. Because what he says is like, "Excuse me, are you the one who's been killing all the hookers?" And like, I guess the way we're supposed to take that is like he's sort of like stopping himself and being like, "This is stupid. What what the hell am I going to say to him when I confront him?" Well, luckily and... he doesn't have to confront him because suddenly the elevator opens up. And it's Klein dragging a blue bag around. And, he, hides, uh, he hides around a corner. He, yeah. Martin hides around a corner. Uh, and he catches uh, in the body bag that he's a hand in, in the blue bag. Uh, mm-hmm. So it is a body bag when you think about it. But uh, Martin freaks out. Uh, and Klein sort of checks out the, the corner he's hiding in. But does not make the one step necessary to actually catch him. Hmm. He's just one step short. A lady tries to call the police, uh, but is unable to because they ask his name. So that causes him to sort of freak out and sort of give up. That seems a little weird too, isn't it? Oh, yeah. He goes to a phone booth. He calls 911. And uh, let me see if I remember this piece of dialogue. He, he goes, um, I'd like to report a crime. And the guy in the, on the 911 line goes, okay, what kind of crime? And like, I, I have some information about the murders. And then the guy goes, What's your name? And he panics. Martin panics and hangs up the phone. 
Which is fair, except, I mean, you could just say, I mean, he's a spaz, so I guess you're just supposed to accept it as that. But, I mean, you can report crimes anonymously, unless Argentina's on some weird system of rules where you can't do that. Presumably after this phone call, he got really horny, because the next scene we see him jerking off on the toilet. On the toilet. Uh. The sexiest place to jerk off. <laughs> Folks, let me tell you, the toilet, best place. Uh, but he hears someone enter the apartment while doing this, and he sort of freaks out and quickly wipes up uh, the stains on the, the floor. And uh, But doesn't seem to bother searching. That's a distance. <laughs> Gross. And then he's just <laughs> shooting ropes. Uh, so later at night, uh, when he's in his bed, uh, the closet door suddenly opens, and there's a dead woman inside of it. Uh, and the woman seems to have like X's for eyes now, like they've been I- crossed out. Or, like, sewed shut or something? I, I couldn't tell. Uh, but luckily, it was just a dream, and there's no one in the closet. Yeah. But the phone then goes off again. And it's the same guy trying to talk to Hooker. But this time, he tries to talk to both of them on the phone, because it's an open line, basically. Um, Hooker gets weirded out by this and hangs up, uh, but not before the Hooker already gave the info where she lives. So then the killer and him are on the phone now, and the killer's like, I know you've been uh, watching me and listening to me all this time. I think it's about time we meet in person. And uh, he freaks out, of course. Right. And we, then he wakes up in, like on a chair now. And uh, the door's ringing. Oh, the doorbell's ringing, rather. And he's sort of demanding who it is, but doesn't get any response. So he then goes out with a knife and starts searching outside the apartment. Um, but doesn't find anything. But then, when he heads back in, he finds the same dead woman from his dream in his bed, uh, which the man on the phone calls a present and a gift. So now he has this dead woman on his bed, uh, which he needs to immediately get rid of because that's it's kind of gross. Uh, so he while he's trying he's trying to get rid of the body, the, presumably the police or someone saying that the police starts knocking on the door. And uh, he hides the body in the shower. Do they do they identify themselves? I don't remember that. Uh, well, they call themselves detectives, but uh, uh they well, say after police they, after, he, after the door. he opened the door, right? Well, I'm oh, saying is they never gave any like badges or whatever. But I well, I I just I just thought they just knocked on the door, and he was just like, in a minute. That's what cousins freak out so much because they like, open up, it's the police because they're like really aggressive. Oh, I mi- oh, I mi- oh, I missed that. But yeah, it's two detectives named Dallas and Miles, which yeah, of course, very Argentinian names. Of very, very, yeah. very detective names too. Extremely detective. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> not they don't sound at all like you know the sheriff from like you know some shitty. You know, I'm Detective uh, Dallas, and I'm yeah, I'm, com- I'm Lieutenant Miles. Drama. And then we get this awesome sort of uh, really intense scene of Ma- of uh, Martin. Uh, holding a cup of water, uh, slowly walking over to give it to the t- the uh, detective. It's like a steady cam shot on this glass of water. It's like Goodfell. It's like the Goodfellas shot, but just for this glass of water. It's, he's shaking it. His hands are like stuttering, uh, and he hands it to the detective. Uh, his hands which... are stuttering. Stuttering. His hands are you shaking. Know. His hands are shaking. <laughs> You know, stuttering you know when, like you do. You know when your hands stutter. I mean, I, I imagine he was stuttering himself, like Stut- no, 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 shaking. No, no, like uh, his voice or whatever. That's okay. what I was trying to go for. 
but then we then we see the detective just so, sort of slowly drink the water cup. Um, it's a power intimately. move. I respect it. No, it's just a long shot of him just glugging down that water. Just this like tall glass of water until finally it's like ah i needed that mm. it's a power move i respect yes. <laughs> it it's 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 the i drink your milkshake but it's water i drink your water so both the detectives have some questions from martin about uh, his wife martin's wife's gym teacher or rather personal trainer which is that uh, the second time we've had this sort of motif uh, the gym leader slash personal trainer's name is Alex, uh, and he's apparently gone missing. Uh, Martin's like, "Oh, she's actually with my wife." And he's like, "I was like, oh, okay. Uh, do you want to meet again later or something?" It's like, "Yeah, that'd be great." And uh, then one of the tech was like, "I'm gonna go wash my hands in the bathroom." Where the yeah, where the dead bodies in the tub. Yeah, Martin freaks out and it's like, "Don't go in there. Uh, you'll you'll flood the place." Cause the, the toilet's broken. broken. Yeah, which is a pretty good excuse. You oh, could sure. just say, "Yeah, yeah." There's some lovely acting here, though. He's like screaming at him, saying, "You'll flood Together. the whole place." <laughs> Luckily, they don't find the body, and uh, right. they just they just leave. Yep. So now and he starts. That. To, yeah, he proceeds to drag the body into the car, his car, presumably. He said, like, the middle of a bustling city. I, I can't imagine how he got it out. Like, I imagine him, like, carrying it through the street to, like, the curb to this car. Well, like, no, the car is inside a, um, like, a, one of those car lots. What are they called? A garage? or No, like, you know, like it's a, a big garage. <laughs> you know, one of them big uh, skyscraper garages. Well, that's, well, I mean, yeah, that, that exists. No, but seriously, though, what are those called? A garage? Well, no, no, the big skyscraper garages where all the cars go and you need to pay like $5 to, to shove your car in a skyscraper. A garage. It's not a garage. It's Yes. A, they don't it's call a parking garage. A parking garage. It's a parking garage. Yeah, I guess so. Okay. Yeah. What else would you call them? I don't know. I thought there was a more fancy name for it. Uh, No. A carport, I suppose. That sounds way better. I I'm mean, into that. But carport is like a, is generally refers to like a smaller like space below an apartment building, and they usually they're not big. But you're talking about like a big like one in a skyscraper. Well, that could That's... be a carport. Could actually make sense in this situation because presumably the it must be connected to the apartment in some way because he gets the in there undetected. So the carport. Sure, I'm into that. Uh, so while he's driving over to bury the body, the police pull him over. Oh, shit. Uh, the police are like, you're going over the speed limit. Uh, but then he he's able to convince the police officer that his wife is having a child at the hospital. And it's like, uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, which, what hospital are you going no, through? No, the cop, the, the cop immediately buys the story. No, well, he's a little suspicious, for sure. Though. Not really, he just says, what hospital, and... He names some random hospital. It's like okay, but so the police officer. I'll let you go with a warning. He relaxes, but then suddenly the police starts demanding he gets out of the car. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a turnaround. He starts freaking out. Uh, he gets out of the car, but it just turns out that the cloth that the body is currently in it was just sort of sticking out of the trunk. And he does sort of the sneaky little sort of quick 
hiding of the uh, cloth. He just sort of throws in quickly without even opening much. Uh, the police officer is satisfied and finally leaves. And finally, he buries the body. So after this, uh, he seems to set up some sort of like uh, memorial thing for his wife. He's lit a bunch of candles and he's photos of the wife. I, I was unclear whether this was a flashback. Well, it isn't, though, because he's by himself. He's looking at I, he's looking at these photos, and then he that clicks. Doesn't, that doesn't mean it's not a flashback. It's probably not a flashback, but so right above all this, the candles and the pictures of his wife, he then clicks on this fish. One of those like talking fishes. It's one of those. It's one of those wall mounted singing fish, like <laughs> one of those like tack, tacky little things. And this is this calm him, calms him apparently. You're my cherry pie. You're my cherry pie. It's beautiful. I, I love those I fish think, robots. I think we found the intro song to this no, episode. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. These are probably better choices. Of all the songs to get the rights to, and they use it, man. They use it. This mm. is clear this is one of those cases where it's like we have enough money to get the rights to one song. So you hear this thing about three times. Th- three times in the movie, plus the whole thing during the credits. Yes. Uh, it's such a good it's so, song. It's so, but it, but it's such, it's such a weird. F- 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 picture this, picture this. I'm picturing. You've created to, you've created this altar to your ex-wife. You're like, like heartbroken mourning over her. These candles, and the centerpiece of the altar is this. Is this tacky <laughs> singing fish <laughs> singing You're My Cherry Pie? Yeah, when you think about it that way, I can I can see the the, like, the okay. worrying implications here. Like, okay. I get that Martin is pathetic. Also, there's like there's no backstory for this fish either. He just has This it. is the first time we see it. There's nothing like, oh, I got that with my wife at the at the you know, at at a at a store. Presumably no, they bought it somewhere. Like, okay, I I get that Martin is this like pathetic, lonely guy now, and I understand that. Like, okay, yes, I I understand that. Like, you know, in the wake of a of of heartbreak of a separation, you might cling to something that is tacky and meaningless, but maybe you bought it together or something. Fine. But from the perspective of making a movie, maybe why, we just had the prop around. Why? Know. Why did you pick the singing fish? Now I do want to state something that this movie might make a lot more sense if you know this. This film was made in eight days. Okay. <laughs> so, but I could still I could scavenge something out of my apartment that make more and, sense than the fish. That would that would feel like it, it's imbued with more symbolic value than a fucking singing fish that you buy at um like at Michaels like <laughs> at Tyson's or Hobby Lobby like why this of all the thi- of all the props to use for for your for 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 this for for this this sim- symbolism why the singing fish? Because the fish says cherry pie, John. But you have to get the rights to cherry pie. 
<laughs> it's, you could have picked an it. object. You could have picked an object that doesn't sing a copyrighted song. <laughs> it's it's necessary to the storyline. I love that fish. Like literally, it brings the whole film together. You could, John. Have, you could have gone to the grocery store and grabbed like a but no wait no flowers wilt um a snow globe. You could have bought like a fucking snow globe. This fish does and... have a secret back like a secret hidden thing we find at the end of this film though. This but fish does have an that, important realization at the end. But you could stick that in the bottom of the snow globe. Yeah, you could have. And you can make a sort of a Citizen Kane sort of, like, you know, reference with that. I don't know. Inside the snow globe says, you're my cherry pie. Or the snow globe <laughs> is a cherry pie? Think about it. You know, when snow's on your cherry pie. Yeah. And it rains on your wedding day. Uh, so... I feel like whoever made this movie just had some weird fixation with like singing fishes. They were like, I love these fucking things. It's possible. It's big in Hollywood, I hear. Maybe Argentinians just fucking love these things. <laughs> it's like it's like a big deal over there, the fish. It's like, you know, during Christmas, everyone has their uh, cherry pie fish. They tap on the button, let it play music for them. You know, that's not as crazy as it sounds now that I think about it, because the Spanish are obsessed with Burger King. Well, mm. not obsessed, but... Burger King is treated like it's kind of like an event sort of thing to go to Burger King. Like it's sort of on the level of like going to like the Cheesecake Factory here. Uh-huh. It like it's kind of like ooh, we're going to the American restaurant. That's really sad um, considering what Burger King is here in America. I know, but that's the one Though American KFC restaurant. KFC has the same opposite fact in uh, Japan, doesn't it? I was literally just going to say, I was literally just going to give that example too, KFC yeah. in Japan. So there's these weird little trinkets of American culture that when they get exported, take on additional significance. Maybe sing, wall, singing wall-mounted fish are big in Argentina. It's, totally, it's definitely possible. I do not know it, enough to confirm or deny our theory here. Who knows? Uh, so he then meets up with Laura, uh, who is extremely worried about him. Uh, and he's like, well, you." Uh, this is actually, he meets her, like, actually in her job building, her office or whatever. Uh, which is, I believe is advertisements, is Martin's job. So presumably Laura and Aaron are both also working there. Um, so uh, he wants Laura to help him stop Klein, who he now truly believes is the killer, before he's able to get enough information to incriminate Martin uh, before he can stop Klein. Because now Martin has the body, uh, the DNA over the, over the dead body, and the fact that, that he went to the apartment. It's suspicious. Uh, so they both. So Laura decides to help him out, and they sneak into Klein's apartment, finding uh, some documents that seem to have. No significance, as well as a bunch of mannequins that are sort of broken apart in a bunch of different pieces. The the scene where he falls into one of the mannequins and freaks out, think it's like a jump scare, or it's like, oh, you think it's a real person at first, and it falls on him, and then he rises a mannequin, and he bumps to another mannequin, and it falls on him, and then another mannequin falls on him. Really reminded me of that scene from uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, where she's in the tomb with all the skeletons. And the mannequins and fall all, over? And they're all <laughs> fall, like falling on her, and all the arms are sticking out in weird angles. doesn't really make any sense. And she's freaking out. Mm. It really reminded me of that. But it's but it's like... It's mannequins a now. Of, in a, but it's in like a closet. Three, but, it's like, but it's three <laughs> mannequins in a closet. Uh, Laura's unable freak, to... And his freak out is somehow even more exaggerated. Yeah. 
Laura's unable to warn Martin uh, as Klein is coming into the back to his apartment. And uh, he hides in the shower, which is another common motif in this film, is hiding things in the shower. Mm-hmm. But uh, Laura runs in to save him before Klein comes back. And uh, Laura then sort of reveals her theories about the whole thing and believes that the body bag that from earlier that Klein's carrying around, which is full of mannequin parts, and that Klein has nothing to do with this at all. Uh, also, I think Laura also he's, states he's he's an artist, and maybe the hand you saw in that body in that bag he was dragging earlier was just a mannequin hand. Mm-hmm. Laura then tries to kiss him, uh, but Martin sort of backs away, uh, and Laura leaves. And also, Aaron is there, sort of listening in on this whole conversation happening in the hiding behind like a wall. Mm-hmm. He's he's being very suspicious here too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then we cut back to the very top uh, of the building. Uh, and he sort of, he then sort of imagines his wife, uh, sort of putting out like laundry. Uh, and he sort of comes up. He's like, he's completely delusion now. He thinks it is his wife, but it's actually just Aaron, being creepy. And then Aaron starts sort of like basically taunting and attacking, uh, Martin. And uh, he reveals that he knows that apparently his wife and Martin's relationship be started as a hookup. Uh, presumably he, Martin was a client to his wife before they got together. Uh, and so Aaron is completely sort of trashing all over Martin right now, uh, because he's just sort of a huge asshole, but then apologizes and then tries to kiss Martin. Turns out he's this gay. Is John, this is the best movie ever. It's so good. Oh shit. Aaron also loves Martin as well. It's like, whoa. And he's like, I, then why do you think I live in your building the entire time? Because I love you, Martin. It's like, oh my god. What? This film is crazy, John. Can you believe this film? It's like Martin's caught in this crazy love triangle with Laura and Aaron. And how, how's this going to end? <laughs> Who's it going to end up with? This felt very... 90s mm. which maybe was the argentina 2000s because i don't know how they feel about homosexuality down there but like it's just you know what i mean this whole movie felt like this whole movie feels like it was made in like 1980s like nine or something just in terms of how it looks like i mean it's fair. It, 1989 it, is still since six for argentinians so you know there you go it, it, but yeah, I mean, just like this is such a weird reveal. It's romantic, isn't it? <laughs> it's kind of creepy, to be honest. But whatever. Well, I I will give this film credit for uh, being willing to to uh, bring up the matter of um, ma- uh, sexual harassment against males. Um, mm. You know, we don't get we don't we don't you know discuss that subject very often. So I'm proud of this movie for taking that one head on, but. Yeah. At this point, Martin's sort of completely, basically done. Uh, his, his apartment's become a huge mess. These, these, these piles of newspapers and pizza boxes and garbage all over the floor. And Laura comes in to find. He's Laura is finally discovered who's the killer. J.K. It's nobody. Then there was never any dead hookers. Uh, and she went to the police. And apparently the police said there was no, there was killings. There was never any killings. And also she says, remember how all of them were born in April? Aaron was also born in April. Oh my God. What? 
Wait, what Aaron is... or the ex or the ex-wife? Aaron. She says Aaron in the Aaron. scene. It's weird. Oh, okay. It doesn't make any sense. I thought I thought it was the ex-wife, but if it's Aaron, that makes no sense because the ex-wife would make more sense. Yeah, it might be the ex-wife. To be honest, I, mis- I might have misheard, but maybe the ex-wife was named Aaron. It's possible. I could have gotten the whole thing wrong. I don't think you ever said the wife's name in this film, though. I don't recall it being said. Yeah, I do believe they call Aaron Aaron though. Uh, Martin doesn't take this well at all, and then drags Lore out to the the grave to dig up the dead body but only finds the cloth that the body was in. Uh, so he breaks down, sort of like, oh my gosh, Klein must have followed me, or whoever the killer was, must have followed me, uh, and took the body. Um, so he breaks down and sort of then st- takes the car and then leaves Laura alone. Uh, the car then proceeds to break down as well, or run out of gas, mm-hmm. as he sort of walks back to his apartment. He finally heads back to his... Uh, which I think is either his apartment door or Klein's. And uh, Leo is there and starts to mock and terrorize Martin. It's his apartment. Yeah. Leo again sort of mocks about how, you know, he saw uh, his wife with the gym teacher slash personal trainer and how, you know, he's a loser. Martin is not paying his rent and he has to leave. Uh He's like, Martin's truly sort of mentally collapsed at this point. Uh, Finally, back in his apartment, the phone rings one last time, and the killer tells him that. So Martin is like, I want to meet you right now. The killer's like, but don't you understand, Martin? I've been in your apartment the entire time. Oh, my God. What? Maybe you're the killer, Martin. But then he sees him. He then sees the killer brandishing a knife, running around the apartment. Uh, and then he's then so he then comes across. Finally or in just, Black Hood. Yeah, yeah, but then he goes over to the fish sort of like candle thing area. You're my cherry <laughs> yeah. pie. And then the, the killer comes from behind him, and then at, then we skip to Laura. Trying to get into it, it, it just appears and it just jump cut. Yeah. Yeah, I think the killer says something like, I'm behind you or whatever. And then, yeah. I don't think he says that. He says anyway, something. Jump, but yeah. jump cut. <laughs> we skip to Lauren. She's trying to get in the apartment. Leo says he's been evicted. Mm-hmm. Uh, they both enter his apartment and they find a complete mess. And, uh, oh, oh, yeah. We, we miss a thing. When the. When the super was berating Martin earlier, he mentioned that the landlord had changed the locks. Um, so Martin just kind of like, like bashed the door in basically to get in. Mm. So when Laura gets there, she notices the door is a, is slightly ajar and and opens it, uh, along with the super who happens to be standing in the hallway at that moment. Yeah, Leo gets then. So they enter the apartment. They find a huge mess. Leo gets really confused because. Martin has a phone, but apparently the phone line has been cut for six months. Oh, and they also find maybe that... you're the killer, <laughs> Martin. And then they find uh, some newspaper clips which have nothing to do with murders, but instead are about a hacker and prosthetics. They like the, well the hacker, the, the position... hooker, prosthetics, prostitute. Right, hmm? exactly. That like there's like a, there's like one they're like slight the, the words look slightly kind of but not quite like the ones he saw. But it's only those words, so it doesn't it doesn't really 
It doesn't really rock as a visual no. trick. It's no, it's no red rum. Let, let's put it that way. Uh, Leah also finds a picture of Martin's wife and the personal trainer behind the fish. Oh, but before that, he is delighted by that fish. Oh, he loves it. He, he, he actually it. turns it on. It breaks. It's, it's singing, and he is laughing. He's just delighted. <laughs> he's Argentinian. By that That's fish. what you do. It's kind of. It's like he's. It it just does its your my cherry pie, and he's like. <laughs> it's an Argentinian law, which if any time a fish plays, you gotta laugh at it. <laughs> No, it's, it's amazing. He's it's, just delighted. It's a famous Argentinian law. But uh, so for some reason they is he's like he's like a child. He's like a he's like a he's like a two year old seeing one of these singing fishes for the first time. He's just delighted by it. <laughs> Can you explain me the meaning behind uh, the personal trainer and his wife picture behind the the fish? What that no, means? No, I I can't. Okay, because th- th- it doesn't like I'm not sure what it even implies that he has it's these very... photos. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense because if the if the position of the fish in the alt in this little altar he's created above the candles, if the fish is there to remind him of his wife and to be like, you know, we have this relic of the good times, why put this reminder of how it all fell apart on the backside? Of the or, fish? or unless it was like some sort of like relationship where. I don't know, <laughs> like a, I don't know what, like a, like a better relationship thing where you watch them fuck each other, maybe. Oh, you mean it was, it was a poly, he, he was the, he was the, the third, basically, yeah, is what you're maybe. saying, in their relationship. It was, a, it was a poly relationship. That might make sense why he was mentioning sex scene, like them having sex earlier. Yeah. Maybe. I, I doubt it. I that's think why they're, too much, that's why they're behind the fish, because the, that's actually the real crux of the relationship was those, that, those people's relationship. That's why it's behind the fish this entire time. Maybe? Cherry pie has three syllables. It's a threesome. Mm, uh, yes. Maybe the song of You're My Cherry Pie is sort of a representation of that, too, when you think about it, you know? You're all my cherry pie. It can't be... It, it's too It's too big to be shared between only one or two people, but three. Well, now that's the perfect amount of people to share it with. Hmm think about it there's something going here but uh but the killer starts, the killer approaches the hooded killer. there's like there's like nothing there's like nothing here we're like so grasping the straws <laughs> the, the the hooded killer approaches leo but then we cut to laura who finds the heads of the detectives in the fridge um, oh those were the detectives yes. oh they met again martin and them met again and they were well, because because he said he, he said they were going to meet. He he hmm. said like yeah, let, we'll we'll meet some other time when I'm not like weeping over my ex-wife. Um, I okay to be honest, I completely forgot about the heads in the oh. fridges. <laughs> These frozen heads in the fridge. Why are they frozen I heads can... in the fridge? Surely, can can a fridge freeze heads? He he turned the thing way too high up, mm. like wait or wait or the temperature way too far down. It's he he needs to adjust that. Laura runs in the bathroom, screaming for help. Uh, she locks the door behind her while the killer tries to break in. And by breaking, I mean just sort of swing the knife underneath the door a bunch of times. She, like, looks through the keyhole. She manages to lock it, and it's one of those, like, it's a bathroom door that has an actual key with a keyhole. So she's, like, looking, like, she locks it and then, like, looks through the keyhole and sees movement. And she's like, ah, ah, ah. 
and he's like like sticking the knife underneath the the he's like jiggling the knob and so do thing and he's just like sticking the knife underneath the 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 gap at the bottom of the door it's like dink 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 and she's just <laughs> floosing her <laughs> shit and it's the most it's the most pathetic looking thing it's hilarious uh and then the, and then the screen fades to black. We cut to an unknown and it fades, time. It Laura fades back in, and she's just kind of like laying curled on the floor, some unknown amount of time. Position. I guess I assume a few hours later. I like to imagine that like she was freaking out, and then like after like an hour of him just sort of like Swing ineffectually the jabbing the knife underneath <laughs> the door handle, she just like she just got bored. It's it just curled up on the floor. So she decides she's to like, well, show just... yeah. She sort of yeah gives up I guess falls asleep maybe. I I doubt she even fell asleep. Mm. Uh, how could you when there's a knife sort of swing, <laughs> sort of sort of just sort of rubbing the knife. It's so threatening. <laughs> uh, so we so she tries to leave the apartment and sort of runs down the stairs. And she runs down all the way down to the bottom floor and the, for some reason the door is locked. So then the killer's able to then the killer sort of comes out from the corner of the floor. Or whatever, like just sort of, it doesn't even come from down the stairs. Just sort of is like inside this sort of like mud room that's uh, at the bottom of the stairs, mm-hmm. and uh, kills her. It, it's a very. This is the most asylum uh, thing in this movie to me. Is that she screams, and then you see the knife plunge into her mouth. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. It's good. It's so realistic too. It looks so goofy. It looks kind of stop motiony almost. Uh, so then the film skips three cut months to, cut later. Cut to black. Yeah. Three months later, uh, they, we see, like, a newspaper scraping, uh, which states that, uh, uh, like, a... Tr- the... Martin is the Martin is, is the main suspect in a series of brutal murders that took place in the apartment building. Yeah. Uh, he's been missing for about three months now. Uh, Aaron uh, is looking at this newspaper. We sort of, like, cut out. And then um, he's walking through a subway station. He sees a ho- the same hobo man from way earlier ago that was like yelling around. And also, presumably the same hobo man who was in the basement too. He looks the same at least. And then Aaron's like, "How do you reach that point in your life where you end up like him?" Well, because he's like he's like muttering to himself. He's like, yeah. "I won't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it." Uh. uh and so he gets in the he gets in the uh, he gets in the uh, subway, uh, and he's chilling. Then he notices the hobo man uh, in the same cart with him. And, Got in uh, the same car, and they're the only two people in the subway car. And suddenly the hobo man starts moving to Aaron, and then Aaron sees underneath the hood, and it's Martin! Oh my Maybe god! Maybe you're the killer, Martin. Martin was the killer the entire time and was crazy. He he, he imagined all the killing that happened, and he, he, is, the, he is murderer Wait, all Wait, are you... So you're saying that this is the moment when that's revealed. Or or was Martin the killer, all right? Let me break this down for you, John, okay? Because I have my own personal theory about this whole thing. Because it became pretty fucking obvious about, like, <laughs> you know, like 15 minutes prior. Or did it like become when... obvious, John, who the killer was? Did it become obvious? Because I, I think I broke this movie apart and discovered the true killer to this whole film. You need to do one of those. You need to do one of those YouTube videos <laughs> where it's deadline ending explained. All right, let me explain this. And to you, and, and, and for some reason, it's half an hour long. Let me. This, this is gonna take half an hour to explain. Let me explain this to you, John. All right. 
Okay, so. So, Martin was the killer. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Or maybe he is. But this is my own personal theory that I've uncovered myself because no one has oh. talked about this film. Um. All right. So, I was re- looking at the uh, credits. And so, one of the guys was Brent Garlock as the police officer and the voice uh, on the phone. Okay. So. My theory is the police officer that pulled him over way earlier, it was the killer the entire time. Here's my here's my theory and proof. Alright? So first of all, when the original body was killed, who pulled him over? The police officer who was the killer. Alright? The police officer then followed uh, Martin to the gravesite, which is why the police officer knew where the body was in the first place. Alright? Second of all, Okay, when Laura went to the police station, she could have definitely ran into the same police officer who lied to Laura to make it look like the killings never happened. All right. And and then Martin at the end of the film is saying, no, I can't do this. I won't. It was actually the killer who is now indoctrinating Martin into his group, forcing Martin to kill Aaron. Okay. (laughs) Is that enough? Is that good enough? Uh, fine. Well, see, this some, some confusing things, right? Because somehow Martin knew where the hooker's uh, address was, even though the phones aren't a thing. How does Martin know where to go? Like, the address had to come from somewhere. Did we explain that the, the phone is one of those giant, uh, like, 90s, like, cordless phones, where like, they're really huge with a big antenna, and he thinks he's picking up the signal from another phone? Yeah. in the building but of course it turns out the phone was cut off the entire time or was so it what if it was a police line that somehow was connected <laughs> to the phone huh <laughs> see because the, the the phones must have been connected at some point or martin wouldn't be able to known where the that one we should be clear was. i i feel like we should be clear for the audience this is a complete bullshit theory shut up like, though <laughs> I think it's the way movie better. is is the most it's the most <laughs> obvious reveal ever. Martin's the killer, or is it? and he, and and, and the last shot is the subway car passing by, and you hear Aaron scream ah, <laughs> as he's being stabbed by Martin. Like, You're my cherry pie. Yes, yeah, so again, the credits. We have a little <laughs> bit of like you know like spooky music, and then you're my cherry pie. Seriously, guys, watch this film. Notice all the police officer. We'll, you'll know the true story of this film, the reality situation. Can, can I ask a question? Yeah. This film's why about is police this, corruption. Why is this movie called Deadline? Uh, because the phone's a deadline. Well, okay. On the IMDb, actually called, this film's actually called Interference. And when you think about it, Martin okay, is the interference to the killer and the, uh, the prostitutes he's hiring. Well, because he's picking up the, the signal... That too. And he's also interfering. It's Interference makes more sense. Deadline, I didn't even think of that. I was uh, the, the thing is, since this, the first shot of this movie was the hooded killer in the subway station, and then the, the title comes up, it says Deadline, in very asylum-y looking font, hmm. uh, it, I thought, oh, like, like a subway line, but it's a deadline. Like a deadline. <laughs> ah. I wish I and wish then it turned out that like... Subway. The subway doesn't show up again until the end of the movie. So I was like, ah, why is it called yeah. Deadline? Hey, who was the guy in the hoodie at the very beginning of the film anyway? Well, I know the answer to this, but do you, John? That's Martin. why he was the police officer. 
had to be because because Martin wasn't crazy then yet. Why would yes, he? Yes, he was. Yes, he was because his wife left him. Why was Martin imagining the the hooker relationship in the first place and like the dead hooker on the the newspaper? Um, Only because to, it's real. You're John, me to explain the real. logic of a of a of a of a of an insane killer. It's not insane with, with, with he was, split he was, personality. John, John, no, he was saying the entire time. Are you paying attention to what I'm saying, John? I haven't paid attention. The killer, it's also, the killer also replaced the newspaper clippings to different things to increase the look of Martin being insane. So you're saying the cop framed Martin to what end? Uh, so the killer can get the the cop can get away killing cookers. More? Yeah, of course, because that was the whole goal of the first place was to incriminate Martin. So then Martin is the the person behind all the killings. So then the 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 cop's now free to kill as he wants. Again, to be clear to the audience, this is not what the movie is about. It is though, guys. Watch this film. I recommend. Not, I, rec- I recommend this not, film. It's 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 an incredibly generic film in which Martin is the killer. <laughs> I recommend this film. Watch it. Find out the true the true the true uh, story behind this film. I rec. I do you recommend this film, John? Not really. I do actually. I thought it was fun. Eh. <laughs> I I was I was disappointed. I I it is the sad thing is this is probably the technically the best movie we've watched for this podcast, mm. but it was not the most entertaining. This film also cost three thousand dollars to make, which makes sense. That that fits, but it's also kind of sad because I feel like the typical asylum movie costs more than three thousand to make, and yeah. they are somehow worse than this. I guess because every asylum film aspires to be like a blockbuster, but it does have a blockbuster budget. Whereas this was a true indie project. This had a very modest goal, and it set, and, it, and it fulfilled that goal. Um, so from a technical perspective, um, this is, I would say, like the best movie we've watched, except possibly for King of the Ants. Um, but yeah, I, I thought this movie was just, it's just very generic. It's, I, I would say it's just a few, it was just a few guys in Argentina who thought like, let's make our own American slasher movie. And that's what they made. Hmm. What's and... weird is on the Wikipedia article for this, this is like non, this is not sourced at all, but it's kind of strange. Which wrote, after the success of Deadline, various Argentine producers and distributors began producing low budget horror films in the English language. In the in in English language, and these films are director's cut, etc. A bunch of other ones. That's like not sourced, but made this film was like huge success well a huge success just means it made five thousand dollars apparently made three hundred million dollars so three million dollars correction sorry i three million dollars find that very surprising but maybe it had a theatrical release in Mm. argentina none of this is sourced at all so i don't actually know if it's true but it's there why would you lie about this i don't know uh if if it's the creators they have plenty of reason to lie Mm, fair enough so that's a film. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm glad I watched this one. To be perfectly honest. It was a nice change of pace. So, are you ready for next week's episode? 
what's next week? The Da Vinci Treasure. Yeah. Oh my yeah, god. Yeah, we finally da reached Vinci it. Code ripoff. We finally Oof. reached the the true mockbuster era for the asylum. Ooh. We've made it, guys. Oh boy. The dream's happening. Ooh. We're living the dream, guys. I don't know. <laughs> it's gonna be so good. That's I can't wait to see so Asylum totally fuck up a mystery. Oh god. Just ruin everything. Make a bunch of dumb plot holes. No, it's gonna be bad. I should probably watch the Vinci Code again. Uh, just sort of catch up on that 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 amazing story that is the Da Vinci Code. Frankly, I think the Da Vinci Treasure has tried too hard to be better than that film, but I don't, I don't know. Are you excited for that film? I am not. What did you like <laughs> about this film? Like, um, gosh, that's hard to say. It, it's. Mm, what did I like? God, this is like that exercise where it's like, name like, this is like this is like the political debate where it's like na- like the question where it's like say one nice thing about your opponent. Mm. Um, what's one nice thing about this movie? The film wasn't that bad. It, it's not that it was bad. It was just that it was ex- it was aggressively mediocre. Um. I like that they got the rights to cherry pie, I guess. Mm. It's it's weird. <laughs> it makes no sense, but fuck, okay. Uh yeah. So Um no, what's that's the thing I actually like about this movie? Um I don't know. I mean like even like the even like the setting of Buenos Aires didn't really offer me anything because that was one thing I was excited about was like, oh nice, it'll be have to, nice to have a movie that's not filmed uh This film might have been set in LA. All things considered. Well, no, 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 no. I, I, I will not say that because I, w- when I studied abroad in Spain, I was in a par- in a staying in an apartment building, and so watching this movie, even though it's Argentina, I was still like, gosh, this really reminds me of my apartment building in Spain. But it's so claustrophobic in its cinematography that like I couldn't even appreciate the the setting of mm. it. Um, and like everything has that like aggressive green tint. It's it's just like it, it's just kind of like it just everything looks very sickly. Um, you know what? I there is one thing I appreciate, and that's the overacting of uh, in this movie, especially the guy who plays Martin. Total spaz, beginning to end. Um, but he was really given it as all. Well. So yeah, I'll 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 give it that. That's my that's my positive comment. Hmm. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Took a while. <laughs> yeah, I mean the act, the level of acting, I guess, is not as like awful as uh, Frankenstein Reborn. There's no like new. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, He's no, I mean like new. again, this is this is a competent film, which is yeah. far more than you could say for most Asylum, almost any Asylum. This production. film was not designed to like, I don't know like trick some grandmother to <laughs> yeah or, or you know or, convince or, 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 like or, or, a couple or, teenagers to dip, buy this film at a blockbuster or rent it rather this film's not something you'd see in a walmart uh one dollar uh bin bag bin bag just bin yeah or bag yeah this film is different and i, I appreciate it for that fact it is different, I will say that. 
Well then, uh, as much as to plug the uh, email, which is uh, enter the asylum podcast at gmail.com. Enter the asylum podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, currently still no one has threw something in there, which isn't surprising, frankly. But uh, <laughs> hey, you could be the first. And also, there's still a Twitter handle, which I've set up, which I'm, I'm planning to use more often from now on if more people fall, start following it or whatever. Which is uh, enter the underscore asylum on Twitter is the handle. Uh, Alrighty. Yeah, I believe that's a podcast, everybody. Till till next time, uh, uh, podcast arenos. Happy Halloween.